friends, and welcome back to Bayou Chronicles. I don't know why, Crystal, but we're going with it, though. We're making a twist. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Bethany. And I'm Crystal. And we are so excited to have you here with us. It has been a crazy week around here. Crystal finished the second week at her new job. I'm enjoying listening to it. Um, it sounds very stressful, but also really cool. It's not very stressful. And she's already made some cool friends, so yeah. And uh, my mom actually came and visited and spent some time with us, and that was awesome. Uh, me and Crystal actually got to go out to dinner, and I tried a local place here that I've never had. So shout out to Twisted, Twisted Root. Root Burger Company. It's not super local. They have some in Texas. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I was reading about it. Yeah. They branched off, but yeah. Burgers were nice and greasy and cheesy, and I had a nice cheese pool as crystal was telling me i had indigestion so that's yeah you know how you know the food's good especially when you get older i think i would have been good with just the burger but i ended up getting a banana pudding milkshake god it looked so good it was good but yeah yeah anyways it was good and uh as usual you can hop over to our social medias and tell us something good that happened to you this week we all actually get like recently we're getting a lot of messages um, whether it be Crystal on Instagram, I've gotten some messages recently, which was totally out of left field, but it was awesome. So, yeah. and I like when people tell me good things that happened to them lately. But yeah, if you want to just send us a little, you know, message, tell us something that cool, or maybe something spooky, or whatever else, or just tell us about you, you know, we're always looking to shout somebody out, you know, but yeah, gotta celebrate the little good things, you know. Yep. Celebrate the small things in life. But make sure you join us for our Twitch stream on the 24th. That is October 24th, the Sunday at 8 p.m. Central. We have a spooky theme, uh, well, yeah, spooky theme stream planned for you. And we are dressing up in our Halloween costumes. Um, I, what did you say you're dressing up again? I'm are we giving be, away? Oh, should we give it away? I really honestly don't fully know mine yet. I okay, keep, then we won't give it away. Okay. I keep bouncing between. I was going to be a cow, then I was going to do an anime cosplay, and now I'm not sure. So, anyways. But it should be a fun time and awesome hanging out with all of you. Bring some snacks, maybe some candy. I know me and Crystal will more than likely have the candy bowl up here. No. I'll, or I'll take my parent tax from my kids. I already fully intended on having candy in here. <laughs> and just enjoy our company because we like hanging out and, you know, seeing our faces and chatting with y'all. But next I want to talk about something that is pretty exciting, in my opinion. We just started up our official Patreon account. Um, this is a great way to support us and get involved in the podcast a bit. It was really cool when Crystal texted me. Um, I was actually... It was... We're kind of synced together. If she is going to text me, I was more than likely going to text her. And I texted her that I got a totally geeky, nerdy thing. But I got a new keyboard that kind of clips on to my iPad. Uh It's purely me being lazy (laughs) (laughs) and not wanting to get up and come into the studio and get stuff done. So I was like, I really need like something I can just like hook onto the iPad so I can be lazy in bed. And I had sent Crystal a picture of that and I was like, yeah, I'm getting work done. I was watching CS <laughs> on the TV, cuddled up in the bed, drinking some tea. And then she was like, hey, I just totally set up our Patreon account and it looks awesome. So yeah, with our lowest $3 tier, you get a shout out on the episode. 
uh, added to close friends list on our Instagram. If you don't know what that is, I know some people aren't on Instagram as much. It's basically like a tab on your Instagram where some people can see your stories and others can't. So yep. yeah, that's a little added bonus. And you get to submit a case that you want to hear every month. Yeah, so like every month that you are subscribed, you get to add a case to our ever-growing list of cases that we want to do. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And with our $10 tier, you get all the lower tier, plus you get to choose a case for us to cover the following month and access to our scripts, which is pretty cool um, because we literally save all our scripts. Like we even have like our original scripts. And we say to put stuff in the scripts that we don't actually end up saying. saying, Yeah, there's a lot of extra stuff that we're like, maybe we shouldn't say that or maybe that'll make the episode too long. Or it's like funny little side notes that we wrote in there. Yeah. It's the cool stuff. And we also have a $5 tier for advertising if you have a business that you want us to shout out. So take note of that. That would be really cool, like especially if you're a small business. Me and Crystal love to support small businesses. We try to mention them as much as we can on each episode and even when we stream on Twitch. I mean, we try to share them pretty often. Mm-hmm. Crystal Crystal will share the you know businesses pretty often on our Instagram stories. So, yeah. You get one ad per month on an episode. So, for $5, I mean, it, yes, yeah. it's, it's a heckin' still. So, we are open to your suggestions on the tiers. You know, maybe the pricing or what you want to see in them. Anything you want to add in. That will definitely be something that you can shoot Crystal a message. You can shoot me a message. You can just email if you just want both of us to get it at the same time. But, yeah. So, next order of business is our giveaway. Our one year is coming up, you know, really soon. We actually sat down, what, on the 20th? 19th. 19th. We kind of, we had two different, we have two different dates that we kind of go off of. Because one day we like, actually got our name and we sat down and then the next day we sat down and recorded. That's how fast it was. Yeah, it was really quick. So, Yeah. Our one year is coming up, and we'll be giving away a Bayou Chronicles shirt, because we do have merch, y'all. What, from small to 2X? I think so. I think, believe so. And cookies from Basic Batches Cookies right here in Shreveport, y'all. Crystal teases me with these cookies all the time. I'm I'm actually gonna order some this weekend if she has some available. I already. I think, I think her shop reopens this Monday. I already said I or was wait, like I'm getting some. actually. Side note: She did post that she has Halloween cookies, and the menu is going to be revealed on the 18th. Which is oh, the last I saw thing. her themed one. It's like a little little finger, a little mummy, like a zombie finger. It's really cute. But anyways. We are kind of, I want to say partnering up with them. Not really partnering up, but it's a great group of, great group of gals. Oh my god, that was a lot of G's in there. But yeah, anyways, that's going to be our uh, giveaway. And if you aren't local, don't worry. She can ship anywhere in the U.S. And they will still be fresh and yummy. When I tell y'all she ships them all across the U.S., I promise they will still be yummy when they get to you. And you can check out our Instagram and Facebook for details on how to win. Because um, we were just sitting here brainstorming, you know, kind of the different things. But look out. I believe we might, well, I should say Crystal. Because she's the one that's going to be mm-hmm. handling that. We'll more than likely try to put that up in the next couple of days. So look out for that. And yeah, I'm going to pass it on over to Crystal. Okay. Bethany did all the businessy stuff yes. today. 
She was nervous. It's like a whole page of business notes. It's oh, a lot of breaths. <laughs> okay, so um, today's case is kind of interesting. And in the sense that I think missing persons cases are always and forever the most interesting thing ever. Only because I don't understand how people can just disappear. I don't understand. It's scary. It is. It's so... Like, that is honestly my biggest fear in life is that one day I am just going to disappear without a trace. So, I'm 100% scariest thing that's ever happened. Anyway. Well, it's a smallish missing person, missing person case because it's not like, you know, think about what's a really popular missing persons case. I can't even think of anything off the top of my head right now. But this is not one of those big everybody knows missing persons cases. Um, We're going to talk about Paula Jean Weldon, who went missing in 1946, Vermont, while walking on a hiking trail by herself. So, this is a long time ago. So, let's rewind and start at the beginning. Um, In order to do that, we need to learn a little bit about Paula and who she is, or was. I mean, I'm assuming was, because she'd have been, like, in her 90s if she was alive today. Um, Oceana, this is my favorite part. I love talking and learning more about who these people are. And unfortunately, like every other case, I have to say there was more information about who she was after it happened and her being missing than there was before. And I hate that because my favorite part is knowing who they actually are. But anyway, Paula was born in 1928 to Archibald and Jean Weldon. Her father was a pretty famous engineer and architect. Like, this is strange, but someone I read online that he worked for, like, this company that designed, um, like, flatware. And so he had a, he designed a pretty popular style of, like, flatware, like forks and knives and stuff like that. And I was like, that's completely random. I didn't know someone could be famous for that, but. Crystal sounds very European the way she's describing silverware. It's flatware. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's not silver. I mean, I guess it could have been silver. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, know. you're right. I just automatically call everything silverware. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could be bamboo or, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, so she lived a pretty nice life um, as the oldest of four children who all happened to be girls. Oh, Lord. So, you know, that was a loud house growing up. Oh, my God. I don't even have a sister, so I'm kind of jealous. Oh, yeah. We both only have brothers. Brothers, and they're younger. <laughs> the family lived in Stamford, Connecticut, which at the time that she went missing, and when she lived there, had less than 50,000 people there. Uh, well, to be completely honest, there's not a whole lot of people that live in Stanford, Connecticut today, but Stanford, Connecticut is part of the metro area for New York City, which I did not know. Connecticut in general is just is beautiful and it small is townish. Gorgeous. It's the perfect setting for a Stephen King book. I, Gosh, I feel right? bad saying that for people that live there. Sorry, it's Jerome, just Connecticut. Cute. It's just cutesy. But 
Um, so I'm pretty sure Stanford, Connecticut in 1946 was probably very gorgeous um, and probably picturesque, especially in the fall. Ooh, like apple picking. Oh, That's what God. I think of. When oh. it's actually, the, I see all the different colors on the trees. It's not, you know, hot as heck. Like oh, my God. Oh, I can can't actually, even imagine. Like, Crystal has a jean jacket on. I'm setting the mood. Crystal yeah. has a cute dress and a jean jacket on it, and I have jeans and a sweater. And it's a cute sweater. And... I'm kind of hot, but I really want yeah. it's fall, and I really want to I wear just, sweaters. Yeah. But imagine being in Connecticut. Oh right my now. god, I would love just... it so much. Oh my god, I bet it's beautiful. Anyway, so in 1945, Paula graduated from high school in Stanford and decided to make the move to North Bennington, Vermont, okay. for college. Not too far no. away, but like enough that you're getting away from your family. And she moved in to the Dewey House on campus. She went to Bennington College. Um, moved into the Dewey House, which is one of the oldest dorms. And it's actually one of the few dorms that's actually standing today. I was about to say in 1945 it was old. Yeah. Oh. In 1945 it was oh. old. Oh, yeah. Lord. Um, and she got a campus job and settled into the regular old college life. Life was, I mean, to for everything that I could tell, was pretty normal. And Paula was, and that was like up until like, you know, including the day that she went missing. Like everything was normal. From all accounts, she was pretty happy and go lucky. Um, some friends and family mentioned that she might have been suffering for some depression. But tell me, a college student who isn't? It's I mean, like college was so stressful for I yeah, mean for both of us. Yeah, college was. Stressful. I've met like maybe two people my entire life who said college was not stressful, and I think they were lying. So, I mean, your major, and then all I did was I was English major, so yeah. all I did was write. Papers. Yeah, you wrote papers all the time. Yeah, there's no time for relaxation. I never had. I never had time to and do anything. Working you and didn't have for me when I was in school. You didn't have a test you stood studied mm-hmm. for. You had a paper you wrote. Paper, several papers, certain format, and it had, had to be in oh that format. My God. All sources and like sources couldn't be older than a certain amount of years. Oh, you know what my favorite thing was is my history major required me to write in Chicago. My oh. English made me write in um, in MLA, mm-hmm. and then my psychology I had to write in APA. So I had to learn all three. The one I preferred the most was MLA. I didn't mind. Oh, see, much. I don't. I don't even know MLA because I've had to write so much stuff in Chicago style that that, you that I just, just got used yeah. To it. I just know Chicago style. Like I tried to do something the other day because I was annotating something and I was like, wait, I wonder like if I'm doing this right or if it's MLA. And I was like, no, it's Chicago. MLA style. basically makes it look like a book. Like it does. It's very titled and numbered. Yeah. And, you know, systematic. And then, and then Chicago style is very much so like that historical paper that you read in a journal yeah. somewhere. So it, it is what it is. But I digress. I don't know why we're talking about this. <laughs> anyway. The trauma. The trauma. <laughs> yes. It is so much drama. Um, so no one knows if she really and truly was depressed or not. Um, there's no telling. Or if something happened to her. Also. Yeah. From all accounts that I could find, too, it's not she, you know, didn't have a boyfriend or anything on campus. She wasn't seeing anyone. She just kind of did school. She was lonely, um, probably. Yeah. Now, there were rumors from friends and her roommate on campus saying that um, she wasn't happy with her major. 
But I couldn't even find out what her major was, so I don't Probably know what it was. Probably having that crisis, maybe, yeah. you know, going wrong wrong direction in yeah. life. And so, who knows? On the morning of December the 1st, though, um, nine at, in 1946, happened to be a Sunday, Paula worked a double shift at her job in the dining hall. Um, she worked both that morning and afternoon shift, and she made it back to her dorm around 2 o'clock. She had asked several friends that kind of that day and the day before if they wanted to go hiking with her, but everyone declined and said they had some studying or whatever to do. When she got back to her dorm, she asked her roommate, Elizabeth, but she also declined, and Paula was determined that she was going to go on this hike, and like me, if people don't want to go with me, I just go alone. Like, I'm not afraid to go alone places because... I had to just get over it because I used to hate going places by myself. And then when I lived by myself in a city where I knew no one, what else do you do but go places by yourself? So I had to learn how to do it. Basically, Paula said screw it and changed into her outside clothes, which side note, I wasn't the only person who had inside clothes and outside clothes growing up, was I? Like, did you ever get told, go put on your outside clothes if you're going to go play outside? Yes, because I grew up with grandparents that were very much, like, traditional. And, well, I mean, you've heard stories about my mm. granny. Like, she's very much, you know, 50s housewife. Yeah. Like, you had nice clothes that you wore, like, out and about. Mm. You had house clothes and you had play clothes. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Uh, see, mine were just called inside clothes and outside clothes. So, I would, like, if I wanted to go outside, I would be told, like, go put on your outside clothes. So, Lord forbid you go outside in church clothes. Oh, yeah, you don't do anywhere that. Anywhere besides church. Oh, you don't do that. Like, you get home from church and you change mm-hmm. clothes. And if you had to go to church that night, you better lay them clothes out so they don't get wrinkled so you could put them back on to go to church that mm-hmm. night. You sh- I was a hot mess in high school because I had my gym bag like if I had my jersey because ladies didn't walk around in their jersey if they weren't playing so like I had my uniform that I put I like wore with the rest of the team and then like after the game I had my nice clothes that I would change into to go home because you know ladies do that oh my god that's hilarious um so she changed clothes and she ended up putting on just like a regular shirt and she put on this bright red coat with a fur collar Regular blue jeans and some, like, casual sneakers and just headed on out the door. And it was cold outside, like, you need a coat cold, but it wasn't like she needed a whole crap ton of extra layers to stay warm. I mean, after all, she was just going for a walk on this trail. Like, it's not like she was, you know, gonna stay out there all night. At least that's not what she was planning on doing. Yeah. This trail that she was walking to was quite a bit away and, like, away from the college. It was several miles away, and it would take her a while to get there. And the trail was called Long Trail, and it's near Glastonbury uh, Mountain. So I'm assuming that her plan was to just hike her way, like, not hike, but hitchhike her way there. And after all, I mean... Like, hitching a ride was something that was super common during this time. Very few stories end good with, I hitchhiked. I hitchhiked and got 
kidnapped the end um but she did she hitchhiked a ride there and she was picked up by a man named lewis knapp um which i thought it was funny because all i could think of when i said his name was like kidnapped and i was like he did it oh my (sighs) god um but lewis knapp picked her up right outside of the college and he took her about as far as he could um and this happened to be his driveway on route nine which was about three miles away from long trail so yes you're probably thinking what i am thinking which is you know dude probably killed her I'm too nice of a person, because if it was just three miles away, I probably would have just... Driven her? I mean, I'm a man. I mean, not that men have to be nice to ladies. But I would have been like, okay, here's this young girl, and she's trying to go to the trail. Let me just drive her these three extra miles. Right. And then I'll drive back home. I mean, I know... It's three miles. I know our husbands would. Yes. That's just the type of people they would. But it's three miles. I would have done it. It's really anything. Um, so, I don't know. I just think it's crazy he couldn't drive her the three extra miles. But anyway, let's not make judgments on him just yet. Um, Knapp claims that when she got out of the car, he told her to be careful out there, um, and to watch her back, and that she started walking towards the trail. Like, basically, just take care of yourself. Like, you know. But that would also make me feel unease, especially if she was carefree. Or if she's already feeling anxious. Well, I mean, she is hitchhiking. She's a single female that's hitchhiking. Yeah. You know, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Who starts a hike at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Pretty late. Um, Several people did report seeing her, did report seeing her walking after this. So, we do know that she was safe for at least a while after Nap dropped her off. About two and a half miles later, she reached the start of, of the trail at this place called Woodford Hollow. As she started walking up the trail, she did encounter some other hikers who were coming back down the trail. As she was going up it, they were coming down. And she stopped, and they all spoke and asked, like, she asked them about the trail, how the hike was, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just that casual, you know, niceties. And they, you know, went on about themselves. She started, kept walking up it, and they kept leaving. Now, as she continued by herself, it is known that she was still hiking about two, well, about an hour later, because it would have taken her a while Mm -hmm. that far, at about 4 p.m. when she interacted with another person on this trail. Um, Her and this gentleman spoke about the trail. She, you know, asked how long the trail was and all that kind of stuff. And he would go on to tell her that the trail went all the way up to Canada. So, you know, this is a pretty long trail. So, it had to have been getting dark by this point in time at 4 o'clock. Um, the sun... In the, in the winter, too. In the winter. Yeah. The sun did actually set at 5 p.m. So, by 4 o'clock, I have to wonder if this guy that was on the trail with her did not ask, hey, don't you think you should be heading back yeah. soon? Like, it's 4 o'clock. Especially because she has to hitchhike back to the campus. Yes. Like, she's got a good bit of a way. Like, I don't know why she was still out there. But anyway, not for me to judge. No one knew why she was there at this hour, and she did not even tell the last person that she spoke to while she was out there. Around 9 p.m., though, the temperature, there was a record temperature drop, um, and it got so low that it started to snow. 
By this time, her roommate, Elizabeth, was kind of worried. It wasn't like her to be out this late, but she really wasn't going to worry that much and really didn't worry a lot until she didn't come back at 11. So, you see, the school had this policy where when you left, if you knew you were going to be out past 11 p.m., you would sign out saying that, hey, I'm going to be out past 11 And then when you came back in, you would check in with a security guard when you got back just so that they knew you were safe. Okay. So, uh, it seems like a pretty safe procedure for a bunch of college kids, you know? Okay. Well, Elizabeth didn't do that. Not Elizabeth. Paula didn't do this. And Elizabeth didn't know if she had done this or not and didn't know she had plans after the hike. And honestly, why would she know? Like, she's just a roommate. Like, Paula's not going to tell her every single thing. Okay, but the security with the paper wouldn't they notice if one student hadn't signed back in yes but paula never signed out oh oh i'm just saying that is that's a safeguard that they had in place where if you knew you weren't going to be out past 11 if you knew you were going to be out past 11 you could do this so they didn't nobody worried about you and you could safely get back on campus and i wish she had signed it because they would have known that she wouldn't have. That she wasn't night. back yet. Yeah. So, at that point, after 11 o'clock rolled around, Elizabeth did get pretty worried about it and just decided since it was so late, you know, she didn't know what was going on. Again, for a lot of people, a lot of people are always concerned that they're sticking their nose in somewhere it shouldn't belong kind of thing. So, she didn't say anything, but when... Um, Paula wasn't back in the room the next morning. She decided to go to the dean of the school or security or whatever and report her missing. So, at first, since they hadn't seen her, they decided that they were just going to, you know, see if she missed any of her classes. And, you know, lo and behold, class after class, she started missing each one. At this point, the police and her family were told and by the end of the day, a search of the trail started. So, like, on the second day, by the time they knew she was missing when her first classes, she missed her first couple classes, they ended up canceling classes for um, her entire school. And from the way that I could fit way that I understood it was that this was back when there were two separate colleges. Like, there was a women's college and a men's college. Kind of like, what is it, Yale? Is it Yale that had a women's college and a men's college? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing? A couple of them. Yeah. Like that. So, that's basically what happened. So, they canceled, ended up canceling both cl- both colleges and everyone started um, searching for her. Now, part of me knows that the only reason that it took this long was to, like, report her missing was because of how long ago this was. If she was an 18-year-old college student today, she probably would have been reported missing a few hours into Monday morning. Um, And I say that, but we could look at Gabby's case that's going on now. Her family was most likely tricked into thinking that she was alive for much longer than she actually was. So, I say that, but at the same time, you never know. But, for me, when I was away at school, like, I texted my mom all the time. And I guess it depends on your relationship with your parents or your friends. But, like, I texted my mom every day and every night. And if I left, I would call her either on the way home or as soon as I got in my house. So if I didn't hear from her, if she didn't hear from me, 
She would immediately Yeah, and if she couldn't get a hold of me after several hours, they would have already been on their way she would to have, my apartment. She would have driven, yeah, down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she'd have been like, uh-uh, no, something's wrong. wrong so, yeah. you know, like, I say that, but they didn't have cell phones back then, so it's a little bit more difficult. They didn't have a lot back then. Yeah, think about, oh, God, can you imagine writing a paper on a typewriter? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize 911 isn't that old. Like, 911 hasn't been a yeah. thing. Uh, street names haven't been a thing. Like, when we were emptying out my grandparents' house, they didn't have a street name until, like, two years after they lived, or, like, three years after they lived there. And they lived, they built the house in 1970. Did they just have, like, a P.O. box? It was, like, County Road something. And it was, like, a little dot on a map. And if, like, there's a fire or something, that's how the fire department would find you. That's kind of scary. It wasn't until, like, three years later they got their actual, like... Address. Street, yeah, address. Okay. The whole town. So, like, back then they probably just, like... And probably stuff like this probably didn't happen as often as it was. Well, I will say this, uh, this is a little interesting side note. When I was on Wikipedia... Which, okay, another side note. Do you remember in school when we always used to get told that Wikipedia was not a good place to find sources because of how open sourced it was? Do you remember it? But now it's a great place to find sources because everything is sourced at the bottom. Yeah, and it's like chronological and tabbed and, you know. Yeah. Like, I remember when the switch happened in school, too, because, like, my first half of being in college, I was told, don't use Wikipedia. It was, Wikipedia. like, clearly stated in this. Yeah. Do nothing from, like, but that was because people could go in and, like, and type, type in whatever. whatever. Yeah. But then, like, once I got to, like, towards the end of undergrad and started in grad school, I had a lot more teachers be like, hey, if you're struggling with the topic, Wikipedia is a great place to check because you can check their sources and you can use their sources to find other sources and so i just hated the sources rule a lot of my professors had because you couldn't use a lot of sources that were 10 to 15 years old oh yeah and a lot of the stuff we research happened like in the 30s and 40s and well 50s. see you had that rule and obviously it makes sense for english i never really had that rule for history because history doesn't changes, change as, yeah, as, that much like, it's usually people's perspective on history that changes not actual history but um my side note originally was that on instagram the mom it said like you know how like years and years ago they'd be like sir wolfred of yorkshire okay the mom was like gene something knee wilson of pemberley road of something connecticut like it was a very formal title and i was like oh so like do we get to use our titles like am i crystal smith of kingston road Mm -hmm. like is is that who i am now like do i need to introduce myself as that that is very professional i was like that's a whole lot yeah anyway that was my side note um so basically her family were like Okay, so you telling me my daughter's dead? What are you doing? Yeah, you know, normal, normal response, normal what are you response. Doing to find her. Um, according to a couple sources I found, really, it was just one source I found. Her mom kind of like freaked out and collapsed and was like bedridden because she was so shocked over the fact that her daughter was dead. 
not not dead, but missing. And her father immediately got his stuff together and like went straight to the school to help look for his daughter. From the get-go, this search was a crap fest. And everyone knew it. Her dad openly criticized it. Um, other students, volunteers that were helping, everyone said it was, you know, pretty crappy. Um, it wasn't until they put her picture in the paper that the people in the area really even found... Not necessarily found out, but, like, knew who she was. Because nobody was, like, passing out flyers. They were just looking for her. So, when they put the picture in the newspaper, that's when all those witnesses who encountered her were like, Hey, we saw her. Like, let us tell you what we saw. So, after weeks of searching by sheriffs, volunteers, the police, even the National Guard, um, they couldn't find anything that led to either what happened or where she was. Um, like, they even ended up having to have people from, or like, police officers from surrounding states come in and help. And the only reason that that even happened is because her dad, like, put pressure on the police in Connecticut to do something about the fact that the search for his daughter was just so horrible. Yeah, because what if more more girls were yeah. missing? Um, and I couldn't really find a whole lot of elaboration on what was so horrible about it. But from the picture that I really got of it was just like it was very disorganized. People didn't know where to look, how to look. There was nobody really like... Um, now, Vermont did didn't have, like, a state police that you could, like, get the ground moving faster. Because, you know, like, the state police, they can put out broadcasts. They have, like, a whole... They have things put in place so that if someone goes missing, there's a list of things that you can do in order to, you, you know, start that, doing. Oh, well, yeah. Now we get the yeah. loud alert on your phone. Yes. Yeah, and... so, or, like, back then, you, you know, you could go everywhere that you needed to go. You could just mm-hmm. get stuff done. Well, Vermont didn't have that. The only thing that they had was a state investigator named Almo, which I think is funny because I keep thinking it was Elmo, but it's Almo, <laughs> um, who took a over the case and basically just conducted the searches of the area um, and kind of coordinated them. But because of just how crappy everything was, they did put a lot of pressure from, or get a, receive a lot of pressure from surrounding states, and they eventually came in and helped them. Now, during the course of the investigation, it was discovered that Paula and her father had a huge fight the week before that led to her not wanting to come home to see them at Thanksgiving. Oh, man. Um, She was just not in a good mindset, and like I said earlier, maybe even a little depressed. Maybe that's yeah. what added her cost she, the girl just really wanted to be by herself for Thanksgiving and her parent and like her parents wanted her to be with them. I'm hitting my mic. So if you hear all that shaking, I'm sorry. I talk with my hands. I mean, I can see that if you got a fight with your dad, you're not going to want to go home and spend the holidays. No, you're, you're irritated. Cause then you're stuck at home and then it's like, well, I, I, kinda, I also, I also kind of got the idea that the reason they got into the fight was because she didn't want to come home for Thanksgiving and like I mean, he blew up at her. That's just a part of growing up. I feel like a lot of, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't don't understand why this whole thing led to a fight, but I do know that some parents can be very insistent when it comes to who you spend holidays with. 
That's um, the part I hate. Yeah. Like, sometimes you just want to be by yourself. by yourself. Like, I spent, I spent Thanksgivings, like, by myself. And I always thought they were cute because I made myself a little mini version of a Thanksgiving mm-hmm. meal. And it's just a holiday. I mean, I've never spent Christmas alone. Um, I hope I never have to. But I guess I just see it differently just because of our lifestyle. Like, sometimes we have had to spend holidays alone. Yeah. Just because of the situation. But I'm also not going to make... I am never going to make somebody do something they don't want to do, even if they're, like, my family. I'm also going to make Bethany spend Christmas Day with me this year, (sighs) unlike last year when she didn't want to. I just... So... I don't know. Sometimes just, I don't know, holidays (laughs) are not my thing, and last year it wasn't. But I'm feeling... Feeling more joyful this year? Feeling more joyful. Look, I'm telling you, my grandparents were like, bring, tell her to come over and bring the boys. They can play outside. Crystal has the sweetest Nana and Papa, so. Just saying, the boys would have loved to be outside with the chickens. Anyway, so we have a good family, so I can't say anything. Um, During the investigation, though, her family was very insistent as well that a boy that she was talking to that lived pretty far away had something to do with her disappearance. Um, This was never substantiated in any way. No one even could even find anything but there was proof of a boyfriend that she was talking to anybody. Um... Some I found something else that said that that's why he, her dad was accusing her of not wanting to come home for Thanksgiving because she wanted sounds, to run away with this boy. That just sounds very made up. It it, it feels weird. Like she's eighteen years old. Who so what? if she doesn't have a boyfriend? Like why are we going to put the, put this into motion that she has to have one? And that's I I don't know. Would you rather make up this imaginary boy that may have killed your daughter, or just? be honest that your I don't your know. daughter was alone. He I will be honest the dad was a suspect for a hot minute in the case because of this fight that they got into and how bad the argument was. Um and also because shortly after she disappeared there was a tip from a waitress kind of in Massachusetts I can't say it. Oh my god, Tyler's going to make it Massachusetts. Um and she reported there was this girl that apparently looked like Paula sitting at her sitting at her table, and her dad, um, Archibald, literally left town for thirty six hours to trace down this lead and did not tell anyone. Nothing, just picked up and left to follow this lead. Okay, don't tell your wife. Yeah, or... didn't tell nobody. So. Or your other kids. So, this is why he was considered a suspect for a hot minute. Um, But, like I said, never substantiated. So, no one ever, you know, could make him. Make him in. Another theory slash lead was that one of the last men to see her had something to do with it. A man named Fred Gadet lived on the road that Paula was walking down towards the trail. And apparently he was in a fight with his girlfriend as as she was walking by. And he just got mad and stormed off. Um, When questioned, this man lied several times and changed his story several times. One time he said he went to a shed and just went back there and was just like brooding basically. Um, another time he told them that he got in his car, his truck, and just drove around for a couple of hours. Like, his story just kept changing. 
Um, they were never able to pin anything on him, but he did remain a person of interest for several times over the years. He actually even told people that he could pinpoint and knew where her body was buried within a hundred yards. But again, nothing was ever pinpointed on him. I'm telling y'all, I don't, I don't know with this case. <laughs> Maybe this is why. They said they sucked so bad because this is a weird one. This is weird. Anyway, this makes me feel like the the case you did with the, the children. Yes, the one that went missing. Yes. Like oh god, that was so vibes. infuriating. Um, Fifteen years after Paula went missing, um, bones, missing bones, or after she went missing, bones were found off the trail. Now the family was told. And everyone immediately thought that Paula had been found. I mean, as a normal person would. Several witnesses were re-interviewed. And after testing the bones, it was determined that they were much too old to have ever been Paula's. However, this means that there's a whole other missing person out there whose story hasn't been told. And I think this is like our third case that we've done where another person's body has been found and it's not the person that we were talking about. But that just means there's another person out there that was never... I mean, like, that would make me want to just, like, dig up everything around the Yeah, like, that really makes me just want to go out in the middle of the woods and just, like, start digging in random holes until I find every single person. I don't know the name of it. But I do know they have, and it's very expensive, mm-hmm. they have this device that can kind of go over the ground and it will not technically tell you, but it gives mm-hmm. you an area where, like, it was disturbed or there might be, like, something under it. So, like, I would just take that thing out there and just, just go everywhere. All yeah. over the place. It's like a human body metal detector. Basically. Um, her parents did ultimately die without knowing what happened to her. They both died in the 70s. And her sisters, I'm assuming, have died or will die without knowing anything about her either. If she was the oldest and she would have been like 92, I can only assume her sisters are probably in their late 80s, mid to late 80s. So. Yeah, because my papa was born in 46 when she went missing and he's 76. Yeah, so, so they're probably in their 80s getting to their 90s so their chances are they will die without never knowing what happened to their sister and that's i can't even imagine that pain um because of the horrible job that was done with this search um and how just completely messed up um it was organizational wise the community saw that there was room for improvement and immediately went to work Just seven months after she went missing, the state governor drafted, like, legislative bills to put the Vermont State Police into action. So, just seven months. It's crazy, though, that there wasn't already... It's crazy that there already wasn't one. I mean, when we think about stuff, we already think that there's, like, state and, you know, city and... Stuff like that. Yeah. But think, but still, like, it's crazy that that wasn't a thing less than 100 years ago. But the fact that it went from a problem to them saying, okay, here's a solution because we want to make something so that if this does happen again, we can be better prepared for it in just seven months. That's crazy. 
But it's also crazy that it takes somebody going missing and for it to happen. For, yeah, but yeah. I mean, at least something came out of it, and it's still a thing today. Yes. So as of right now, um, obviously that dorm building still stands, but That's she crazy. has <laughs> she has never been found. Um, there's been no other leads. Nobody ever really panned out. She is just considered really and truly one of Vermont's most famous missing persons cases and ultimately the reason that the Vermont State Police have completely come into existence. So You know what's crazy is the houses across the street mm-hmm. like right here. Mm-hmm. They were built when she like ten years before she went missing. What? They, I'm pretty sure the ones, some of the ones on my street were built in the 30s, and then like if you go down, those were built in the 40s. Oh wow, that's crazy. And they're like, you know, I mean they they've been through. They stuff, look like it. But it's crazy. That's actually insane. But yeah, that is the story of Miss Paula Jean Weldon. I feel so bad. I wish it had a better ending, but at least, you know, some somewhat good came out of it. And, I mean, who are we to say maybe one day they'll go out there and... Somebody will find her. Or what if a body had been found and they didn't, you know, test yeah. it or something? Because some stuff has happened when me and Crystal have researched missing people. They later test something they had and they find out it was somebody that went missing, like, years ago. Yeah. So that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, that is all we have for you today on this episode about Miss Paula Jean Walden. I hope you enjoyed my talking, and I hope that my hands hitting this microphone <laughs> 8 million times did not bother you. I'm currently sitting on top of my hands so that I don't talk with them. She really is, y'all. Um, because I'm such a hand talker, dude. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. I hope you guys have a good day. Do you want to say anything else? Yeah, just thanks for hanging out with us, guys. It's been awesome. We're, it, when I sent Crystal a text message yesterday, because we're actually, I guess I'll give away a little bit. We're, we're at, y'all, we're having people from all across the country reach out to us now, which is cool. It's cool. Also, I was shocked and I just stared at my phone for like 10 minutes when I read this message. And then I got up, you know, and I was like, I got to send this crystal. What am I doing? I'm just standing here. So, yeah, thank you guys. It's really cool to know that our name is getting out there. Um, and this particular person that I'm talking about, I'm not going to give too much away. She said that she likes that we can be a voice for women. She especially liked that we can be a voice for women of color. So that was just really awesome to hear because me and Crystal do try to pick cases that often aren't talked about a lot. And sadly, that is women of color. So it's just what happens. But yeah, thank you guys so much for liking us and entrusting us to talk about cases and wanting us, you know, we're also being asked to come on other podcasts, hint, hint, which is (laughs) really cool um, because we've done it before. And I guess we're just having more people reach out and do it again. So, yeah, thank you guys. Yep, thanks. I hope you guys have a fantastic night. And um, I am putting up the giveaway stuff up soon. So, if you are listening to this podcast, chances are it is out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Have a good night, guys. Bye.